This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field. He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Show Podcast. That's right. You heard that correctly. Uh, thanks to the folks at Bet Rivers, uh, I am now doing actual uh, podcasts. I've joined Podcast World, and I've, uh, I've left actual live radio. I have crossed over into what many people call the, the light side. Uh, podcast world, uh, and you're going to be able to hear me even more unleashed and and balls out on probably every topic that's in my demented brain. If you listen to me all these years, you know my brain can get uh, a little demented. Now, uh, first things first, I know this is uh, the first time you've heard me in a while, and uh, many people have asked me why I'm no longer on 97.5 uh, The Fanatic, and uh, it, it was baffling to me as maybe it, it was baffling to you. Uh, after about 15 years at the station and and 30 years actually in Sports Talk Radio in Philly, they simply decided not to renew my contract. Why? I don't really know. But uh, like everything else, you, you have to move on. Now, I have some theories, and and I will promise that I will dedicate an entire future podcast to that issue and reveal a lot of things that went on behind the scenes because I've been asked a million times by people on the street and people in email. Uh, I, I will just say this. I thought that uh, it was an unjust result considering my contributions in, in building the station. And um, I think there was one man in management who made the decision. I'm sure he had his reasons, uh, and I don't really know what they are. But we'll, we'll talk about it in a future podcast. But today is the pilot of the, the Mike Missanelli Show podcast. And what's this podcast going to be about? Well, it, it's going to be... A lot like all the shows that you've heard me do over all these years, it'll be a fine blend of sports talk and life talk. Now, I've been doing it that way for a really long time, even when I got into sports talk radio. Uh, I know a lot of people think that a really successful show is just to talk about sports, but I've always been able to branch out and talk about issues that everyday people face because it's, it's more interesting. It's like uh, if you're at a, uh, a backyard picnic with your family, right? People are talking about a lot of things. Sports may be one of the things they're talking about, but they're engaged in all kinds of conversation. You join the conversation. That's what I've always tried to, to make my show uh, about, whether it's a, a modern culture issue, whether it's uh, 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 just shopping in a grocery store or things you observe in everyday life. So we're, we're going to have fun. It's, uh, 
it's just uh, living life every day, and it's just me and you doing that, and, and we'll talk about it. Now, we're also going to do some great interviews with some compelling people. One of the, the things I love to do most on my show was uh, to get really in-depth with important people, and people where that really matter. Uh, you know, I, 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 the general manager of the Sixers joined me for a, a really good interview, and uh, a guy like that who's very thoughtful, you can really get in depth with and, and ask good questions. So th- those are the kind of interviews we're going to do, whether it's sports or, or whether it's entertainment. And uh, this podcast is going to reach pretty high to get some uh, some very important people, uh, maybe some actors, maybe some musicians, uh, and maybe some uh, uh, some very important sports people nationally, but uh, primarily uh, in, in Philadelphia. We're gonna we're gonna read your comments on a daily basis. With uh, a lot of people like to stay in touch, email or Twitter. Uh, I will go into social media and pick out some of the some of the great views that people have or the views that I disagree with. And we'll bat that around. And um, we're going to find a way somehow to engage uh, with live callers. I don't know how we're going to do that yet, but certainly that's on my agenda uh, to, to engage because really that's what I'm all about. I love engaging with, with uh, sports fans every day because they've got a lot to say and we can go back and forth. Uh, and have some great discussions, which I think are really entertaining. All right, so um, let's uh, let's just uh, review here and 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 look at the things that I have missed not being uh, in the radio world, uh, in the media world uh, for a while. So uh, there's so much to talk about right now in, in Philadelphia sports. The Eagles started their their new season with a win, and a lot of people think. This could be a very special season. A lot of people are even saying Super Bowl. Now, Dak Prescott just went down. That gives the Eagles a decided advantage in the division if you can get past the fact that they allowed the Detroit Lions last week to hang around. So I don't know how good the Eagles are at this point, but I think they're pretty good, and I think this is going to be a pretty good run in Philadelphia. All right, the Phillies. Uh, I love Philadelphia, and I love talking about Philadelphia fans who just can't wait for the sky to fall. And uh, when the Phillies were losing a couple games, here came the haters. Uh, the sky is falling. Oh, this team sucks. This is that. Here's the bottom line. The Phillies are a playoff team. They're going to be in the playoffs. Now, are they as good as the Dodgers or the Braves or the Mets? Probably not. But you can't wish for everything at once. You can't look at a team coming into the season, you didn't know what they were, and then all of a sudden expect they're going to win the World Series. I believe they're going to get there. I believe they have the management that's going to enable them to get there. If they fall short this year, it's because they're just not good enough. And that's what I believe. Now, uh, we're going to get into that, uh, the, the analysis of what they have to do and who they're going to play in the playoffs. But, I, no, I don't think that they are a World Series quality team. But I think they're a pretty good team. And I think they're pretty fun to watch. And I think that if they give you a playoff season after not giving you playoffs for a really long time you're gonna to have to take that and then hope for better things down the road now i know we've been through that kind of rationale with the philadelphia 76ers because it's always well they're getting there maybe another year they have to add this they have to add that they made themselves more complete this offseason and they could very well challenge for the top spot in the east boston's still going to be there Everybody fears the Nets because Ben Simmons is coming back. I'll have more about that, uh, say about that a little later because I don't think it's going to help them a little bit. Uh, but if, if the Sixers are going to do anything, there's one thing that has to happen. James Harden is going to have to be James Harden. And the question is, can he be James Harden? Now, if, if you've seen the pictures, um, 
you know he looks like he's in great shape. Uh, but then again, he introduced a, he just introduced a new wine label. So what I would say to James is don't get high in your own supply. Um, you know, leave the wine alone, stay in great shape, come back to be that dynamic player, lead this team, because they've added uh, quite a, a bit of depth to this team. They weren't tough. They added some toughness. So uh, we're going to go over their roster uh, in, in a couple of seconds to see what they actually have. And, of course, what can I say about the Flyers? I, I would love to say some good things, but right now I can't. I can't say anything about the Flyers. <laughs> Hopefully that changes soon. Uh, I don't know how soon it's going to change. So that's just a little backdrop uh, of sports. Uh, and uh, if, if, you're, if you've been listening to me all these years, you know that I bounce around. Uh, I will bounce into wide and, and, and varied territories, whatever my brain pops into. And again, we're going to talk modern culture, movies, TV, gossip. And buckle your seatbelts because I know people out there are fearing this. There's no reason to fear. Politics. Yes. We're going to have compelling interviews. No stone will be unturned. And we're going to have a blast. So it's it's great to be with you. I welcome you in to the Mike Missinelli podcast. It's brought to you by the great people at Bet Rivers. Uh, okay. Things that have happened. All right. Let's talk about the Eagles and what happened last week. And the two major questions that really were not answered, one question was answered a little bit, and that's the Jalen Hurts question. The question always is, is he good enough to lead a team to a championship? Do we know that yet? No, we don't. But I gave Jalen a B-plus grade for game one. Now, I look at the stats, and it, it, it says he ran 17 times. Now, if you look at that, you go, that's too many times. Your quarterback cannot run 17 times, and you expect to be a winning team. But let's look at the circumstances of it. The Detroit Lions decide with Aaron Glenn as defensive quitter to just come after him. I mean, from, from down one to down 10, they blitzed to try to get him off the stride. Now, when you do that, you could get to him, and you could flummox him, and sometimes he's not going to stay in the pocket and deliver that pass to a hot receiver, which is usually how great quarterbacks beat a blitz. But he's going to burn you if he gets outside of that blitz. And he did that constantly. And that's the thing that Jalen Hurts has that not a lot of quarterbacks in the league have, that kind of ability. Once you beat that blitz with your legs, who's got him? There's nobody. If you're not spying him, you're giving him all that uh, uh, all that free land. And, and he burned uh, the, the Detroit Lions with that. Now, again, can you do that? All year. I don't think he can. And the big question was, he is not going to have to scramble for this team to win. He's going to have to stay in the pocket and hit receivers. And the, the one receiver he did hit was A.J. Brown. And I swear to God, I'm looking at A.J. Brown. I go, this is, this is Terrell Owens incarnate when he broke in the, and, and, and gave that team a weapon. The slant, the short slant to A.J. Brown was an unstoppable play. And, uh, and that's going to happen all year. Uh, you know, there are two things you can do to stop that slant. you got to body him up, and he's going to overmatch cornerbacks. Or the linebacker is going to have to get, o- get over there quick, quick enough to stop that slant. But if the linebacker cheats, then you're susceptible to the run. So that's a dynamic weapon. And he did make one sensational throw in the game to A.J. Brown where he dropped it in the bucket on a, fa- a, a rather long pattern. So uh, I-, I look at him, I go, okay. If I give him a B plus, that means he's grading up a little bit. And I'm going to have to put up with that right now. I'm going to have to put up with the fact that he's got a little at a time, grow as a quarterback. 
this team is going to have to be good enough to overcome the fact that they don't have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or somebody who can win a game on his own. And we'll see that in due time. Now, here's the other major question. It's the defensive coordinator. And he is an issue. He was an issue last year because fans looked at it and said, and people in the league, Jonathan Gannon is not aggressive enough. You have to get to the quarterback in this league. He does not get to the quarterback. So against the Lions, if you watch the game, when they did blitz, and they blitzed six times. Now, I got some numbers on that, by the way. They blitzed six times. When they did blitz and they got on Jared Goff, he looked shaky. You know, after that first drive, when they when they blitzed a little bit, they got some pressure on him, he looked very shaky. So why doesn't he do it uh, a lot more? Well, I don't know. But we're going to be paying attention to that. They had six blitzes on Goff. That's the fifth fewest in week one on a quarterback throughout the league. Now, we're not talking about a great quarterback here. So if you only blitz six times and that's not a, a, a lot of t- a lot of times to blitz, you're giving you're making golf better than he really is. So that I thought was flawed. They had uh, six contacts on Jared Goff. Again, in this league, you have to hit the quarterback. Six contacts on him. That was tied for the third fewest in the NFL. There's just not enough heat on the quarterback. They went out and got Hassan Reddick thinking that he'd be a great edge rusher. And uh, they're putting him in coverage. They're not letting him fire. Eventually, he's going to have to let Hassan Reddick go. All Eagle fans are looking at, at Jonathan Gannon and wondering when he's going to finally get it. And frankly, I don't know. Uh, the Eagles' defense was terrible against the run. Now, DeAndre Swift is a great player. And, yeah, he's representing Philly. 144 yards, caught uh, a few balls for some more yards. Dynamic player. But the, the Lions were shredding them up front. Um, we looked at how they had improved last year. Their linebacking core had to improve for that very reason. Linebackers have to get to that level to stop that running back. But in the middle of the line, you got to be able to clock, which co- gets me to a trouble spot. And the trouble spot is Fletcher Cox. Now, last year, we saw his performance start to wane. They brought him back. Um, they promised us that uh, the Fletcher that you saw last year was not the Fletcher you were going to see this year. But there are a lot of NFL people looking at it like, I mean, he's pretty much done. They did not play first-round pick Jordan Davis, the monster man, very much at all in this game. And I think the Eagles are going to get caught in this position where they have some loyalty to a guy who's represented the organization very well. It was a, a, a chief problem with Howie Roseman where he deferred to guys that were with the organization for a really long time. Somewhere along the line, you're going to have to cut the cord. And I don't know if that's going to happen to Fletcher Cox, but he certainly is not the Fletcher Cox that we knew. Now, they're, they're going to play a tough game on Monday night. The Vikings are a very good team. The Vikings are going to test their defense a little more. We'll get to know a little more about the Eagles after the Viking team. But against the Lions, they did enough to win. They, in my mind, won comfortably. I know you look at the final score and say, wow, that was a closer game than it should have. But they had a 17-point lead. They had a 14-point lead. And I think they let their foot off the throttle and let the Lions gobble up some yardage because they were playing prevent and they didn't want to get burned for a quick touchdown. So I'm going to like erase that from my mind that that score was close. I thought the Eagles were the better team. I thought they did what they had to do. They, they won the game, and there were some good things that we saw. Now, whether that gets to the next level, it depends on how they fare against really good teams. And Monday Night Football, they're going to be up against a really good team.
and they're they're slightly favored in the game. So uh, the Vikings looked real good last week. And for the Eagles to be favored, uh, to me, that's impressive. All right, uh, let's move into the uh, Phillies quickly. Um, I'm astounded by the season. Um, I'm astounded by the record. Uh, and here's the one thing that that, that people have to look at. Um, the playoffs are going to be here. How long they're going to last? I don't know. And I got to be honest with you, I, I don't really have the expectations. And it, therefore, I'm not going to be disappointed if they lose in that first round. Right now, the, the, the numbers are amazing because <laughs> let's look at the teams that have won in Philadelphia in baseball. Let's start with 1980 Phillies. At this time, the 1980 Phillies record was 76 and 65. Now, they were a very good team. They went on to win the World Series. 76 wins they had at this time. The 2008 Phillies, we look at that's the golden era. You know, that was another great team. 2008 Phillies win the World Series. At this particular point in the season, they had 77 wins. They were 77 and 64. The 2022 Phillies right now have won more games than both of those championship teams. 79 and 62. So they must be doing something right. Can we see some flaws? Obviously, we could see some flaws. Will this team hold up in the playoffs? Well, I don't know. But I know that Rob Thompson has done a pretty amazing job with this team. 57 and 33 since he took over for Joe Girardi. That's pretty good. Now, I've studied baseball in this town for a lot of years, and and one of the reasons I think Charlie Manuel was so successful, because he wasn't a taskmaster. Joe Girardi was a very serious manager. Charlie Manuel, I think, realized that the best way to get the best out of players is to make them feel comfortable. And it seems that Rob Thompson's done the same thing. I think they like coming to the clubhouse. I think they like each other. I think they, they play without a burden on their shoulders, which I think Girardi gave them. And, um, and they play loose. And, and this is what the result has been, 79 and 62. And I think Dave Dombrowski has done a, a, an amazing job bringing younger guys into the fold who have actually contributed. Uh, and he made a drastic move at shortstop with Bryson Stock, get rid of D.D. Uh, Gregorius. But um, they've these new guys have given them kind of a spice. You, know, you mix new guys in there that really have nothing to lose, and they're, they're playing for fun. I mean, guys like uh, the Unsung Heroes, you know, Nick Maton. I mean, who could have figured – he would contribute, but he's contributed in a big way. Sosa, when they got him, people were like, Mondo Sosa, what's he going to do? Bailey Falter. I swear to God, I, I look at Bailey Falter pitch. I'm an ex-baseball player. I run to the bat rack. I get a bat in my hands. I can't believe people don't hit him, but they don't. <laughs> last six, six and oh, in his last six starts. Veerling has had his moments, his down moments, but he's contributed. And of course, Bryson Stott really over the second half of the year. So, this fresh energy that they got, and they seem to have their bullpen settled down. Dominguez is back. Robertson can go back in his role. Alvarado has had a great year. They're missing one guy that could lead into those three. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think 79 wins at this point of the season is pretty miraculous. And whether they get the, the, the second wild card or the third wild card, we're just going to see how that uh, plays out. But here's how it works right now. If you're going to analyze it right now, as it stands right now in the National League playoffs, and again, people that are afraid that the Phillies are going to make the playoffs, I, I hope that you're over that. Because all this time I would look at, it, at the Milwaukee Brewers and I'm going, the Brewers don't have enough. They, you could just clearly see that they don't have enough power to make a run. And now the three and a half games behind. So I think you can cement that the Phillies are going to the playoffs. So here's how it'll shake right now. 
Uh, the number one seeds they're going to buy right now, Dodgers and Mets, although the Mets are hanging on for dear life. That could flip to the Braves. Uh, the third seed will be the Cardinals. So the Dodgers and the Mets get a buy. The Cardinals would play right now the sixth seed is the Padres. The Cardinals are one of the hottest teams in the league, but I would actually prefer the Phillies to play the Cardinals. As it stands right now, the Phillies are going to play the Braves. The fourth and fifth seeds, four seed the Braves right now. And again, that could very well turn out to be the Mets uh, and the Phillies, which means the Phillies are going to have to play three games in Atlanta. I don't think they're as good as the Braves, and they would have to play on the road. Those three games will be in Atlanta. That's how the playoffs shake out. The home team, the higher-seeded team, gets the home games. And then if they beat the Braves in that series, they would get the Dodgers. So if you're being realistic, to think that the Phillies with this team, although they've overachieved, could beat the Braves and then the Dodgers, that's a pretty big leap. And I think that that could be very unrealistic. So if, if they don't beat those two teams, can this season be a disappointment? Don't you have to look at yourself and say, you know what? They're not as good as the Braves and the Dodgers. So I'll take what I got from this team this year. And then maybe next year they find a way to crack it because they're going to obviously have to make some changes next year. If they sign Trey Turner, which Bryce Harper wants them to do, he moves the shortstop, stop moves the second base, Segura is out of there. Uh, and then uh, Bryce Harper will hopefully be back playing outfield so Castellanos doesn't have to play it every day. But I think things are looking up for the Phillies for the first time in a really long time. Let's just remember that right now they would play the Braves in the playoffs, three games in Atlanta, and if they win, they would play the number one seed, the Dodgers. All right, quickly on the Sixers. And I hope you indulge me catching up here. Sixers added toughness. They got rid of no one. They added – Travell and Queen, DeAnthony Melton, Montrez Harrell, Daniel House. Now, that's four guys that are really going to help them. Four guys that add grit, four guys that add toughness. They're starting uh, uh, five. Obviously, P.J. Tucker gets in there, which adds a little toughness. So Harden, Maxi, and B, P.J. Tucker, Tobias Harris, your starting team. Now, off the bench, they have uh, 13 players, and, and that's going to have to whittle down. Right now, 18 players on the roster. So the, your bench right now would be Shake. Queen, Melton, Harrell, Niang, Thibel, House, Reed, Korkmaz, Bassey, Charlie Brown, Jaden Springer, and Isaiah Joe. I think Isaiah Joe is in, in danger of not making the team. Charlie Brown won't make the team. Jaden Springer may have to go to the G League again. But that's a lot deeper of a team than it was last year. So if people are going to tell me they can challenge for the East, yeah, that team can challenge for the East. We'll just have to see what happens. And, boy, I tell you what um, – 76 or season is right, right around the corner. It's amazing how all these sports collide. That's why I love this time of the year. You got football, and then basketball starts up. Uh, and, and of course, you got uh, college football going on right now, which has uh, already been exciting. And then you got the Flyers. And listen, I, I don't want to put down the Flyers. I know there's a lot of Flyer fans that, that loathe me for picking on the Flyers all these years. Uh, but they hired a new coach. His name's John Tortorella. He's a taskmaster, he's going to get in their butt. Uh, when you don't have players, I don't know if that matters. So uh, they're a long way, unfortunately, uh, from from being a viable entity that we actually talk about on a daily basis. Um, and that's a terrible thing for Flyer fans. It really is. Because no matter what I say about Flyer fans, they're, they're, they're very loyal. And last year they were not loyal. Last year they didn't show up. And that was a, a really surprising thing. And when you've lost your fan base like that, 
you got to build it back up. And uh, the Flyer fans need to be rewarded with something quick. And unfortunately, I, I don't think it's going to be quick. All right. I like to do various segments on this show. We'll do some various segments. This segment today on our pilot episode is called um, What's in the News Implicating Sports People? I'm just going to pick on, on some sports people for a little bit. So let's start with, uh, with Brett Favre. All right. Now, um, so, so, so Brett Favre, uh, if I can understand this correctly, had no problem using money that was earmarked for uh, welfare programs in the state of Mississippi in conjunction with the governor of Mississippi, by the way, and funneled that money to try to build a brand new volleyball arena for Southern Mississippi University, his alma mater, where his daughter plays volleyball. Now, what kind of a low-down, dirty creep would do something like that? This is not the first time now he's been, uh, he's been in trouble since he's been in retirement. He, he, I look at Brett Favre right now. He's like, uh, he's like the, the Pete Rose of ex-NFL players. Uh, now, uh, and he might just have a little shinier coat than Pete Rose. But you know, we're talking about a low-down, dirty dog. Uh, but I had to laugh at Twitter. This is why uh, Twitter's great, because sometimes you get some really good pearls of wisdom. Uh, so there was a picture that was uh, circulating on Twitter, uh, and it was Brett Favre posing with Donald Trump. And um, the tweet read, Brett Favre showing off his dick again. Now, <laughs> whether you're a Trump fan or not, that's funny. All right. <laughs> that's pretty witty. I liked it. I gave it a 10 for Twitter comments. And uh, we're going to be looking at Twitter a lot and uh, uh, putting out some pearls of wisdom uh, uh, on that. Uh, now, people are out there thinking, oh, no, he brought up Trump. He must be leaning towards getting political again. Well, uh, I'm not sure about that. We'll see. But anyway, here's uh, number two on the news uh, implicating sports people. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns and the WNBA team out there, uh, has been uh, suspended by the league uh, for the whole year uh, because of misbehavior. Uh, he used the N-word on many occasions. Um, in spite of admonishment from his employees, uh, he said he was just uh, uh, replicating conversations that he heard. But as we all know, and I think the landscape is pretty clear, uh, if you're a white dude, you cannot use the N-word. Uh, and if that's a big sacrifice in your life, I feel sorry for it. He's also uh, a misogynistic creep, Robert Sarver is, who made lewd comments about women getting pregnant and being unable to work. And um, he apparently was walking around um, in the showers and in the, uh, the offices uh, showing his own genitalia. Uh I, you see, I, I maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't know what uh, the benefit is of showing your your genitalia around. Uh, speaking of Brett Favre, like what is when guys do that when they take dick pics and, and they send them out? What are they expecting to have happen? Like, are you expecting somebody to say, "Oh wow, I gotta have that"? Like, what what is going on in your head? Uh, and I, I always thought that, that, that guys that did that, like a like guy like Robert Sarver, he's an older guy. He's, you know, I'm thinking he's he's got to be a little shriveled up. Like, what what are you proud of, Holmes? Like, what what is that about? Uh, 
But anyway, uh, here's the backdrop of that. Um, some rich white man, a lot of people thought he should have been suspended for forever like Donald Sterling was. But if you remember back then, there were some owners who were against Donald Sterling getting ousted. So uh, I think when Adam Silver looked at this, he said, am I going to have backlash for this if, if I suspend him for the season? That was probably in his mind. And so he, he cut the suspension short of what uh, Donald Sterling got. Um, some rich white men, think about it. Back then, the racist, misogynist behavior of Donald Sterling, some rich white man, the owners in the NBA, actually didn't think that was a bad deal and that he should not have gotten suspended for life. Now, what does that say about us as a society? Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm dipping my toe into politics. And um, listen, I love I love right-wing people. I love all people. I happen to be an independent. A lot of people like to put me in this liberal box. I'm really not in a liberal box. I like to be an independent thinker. I like to think that I favor what's right, what feels right, over what feels wrong. So let me get to this uh, topic here, which has nothing to do about sports, but it has to do with Pennsylvania. And it's something that uh, I've been reading about almost every day. I think the the uh, election coming up is is really fascinating, especially in, in Pennsylvania, where you've got Dr. Oz and, and you've got a guy running for governor named Doug Mastriano, uh, who, as far as I can tell, is right out of Cro-Magnum Man. In fact, this guy lives in such a cave that he probably has hieroglyphics on his wall for uh, for for wall hangings. Um, the world is supposed to change and evolve. We are supposed to be more tolerant of other cultures and lifestyles and and religious beliefs. So so why are we going backwards? Um, why are uh, are white people scared of losing in America? They're they're scared of losing their their white privilege. Don't be scared. Your life is going to be fine, except people for who we all are. And if you believe in any God at all, don't you think your God would be a benevolent being who would accept and love all? So why can't we just do that? Now, I know a lot of people just heard me say this. Oh, here goes that liberal woke Missinelli who used to piss us off with his politics. I, here's who I follow. I'm not Democrat. I'm not Republican. I may seem more Democrat than Republican. I follow one party, the party of Mike. That's the party of me. Party of Mike's an independent party that relies on pure logic and what feels more right than wrong. The party of Mike abhors racism and bigotry. And therefore, the people who promote that, like Trump, rub my nerve. See, if you don't stand up against racism, then you are complicit to racism. It's really as simple as that. And, and if you can't absolve yourself... Uh, of the label by saying, well, uh, my best friend's a black person. They've had black people over my house. You can't just say that and and think that you're not racist. You have to live your commitment uh, against racists. Um, Doug Mastriano is running for governor of all the people of this state. How can you govern all the people when you don't recognize people different than yourself? Um, uh, He's against same-sex marriage. I would love to ask Doug Mastriano, how the same-sex marriage affects your life. It doesn't. Let people live the lives they want to. How does someone who has chosen a life path of LGBTQ, uh, how does that negatively interfere with your life? It doesn't have anything to do with your life. 
Live and let live. All right. Now, is that liberal? Is that woke? Or, or, or is that just the fundamentally right way to think? I don't know. You'll decide. I know I'll get a lot of, of, uh, of tweets uh, when you watch this podcast. I've got a lot of emails. And you can actually reach me email now, uh, mike at mikemiss.com. That's my website. So it's mike at mikemiss.com. And if you have something to say about what I just said, I will, I will gladly uh, answer uh, all your emails, and I'll read them on the air, and we can have a discussion with your email and my voice. And, uh, and I'll be fair because I want to hear all viewpoints. All right? Okay. Um, that takes care of the political part of the show. Now, again, I, I may or may not talk about politics. Today, I just happened to think in the pilot, uh, I wanted to get that out there because the Robert Sarver situation connected politically to me with all the stuff that's going on. Uh, so uh, I hope you don't mind that. And I, I think actually the people that don't agree with my viewpoints still listen because they want to get angry at me and they want to hate me, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind that. If you have an opinion that's different than mine and you want to listen because you can't wait what I say that you're going to hate, uh, that works too. As long as you're out there listening, um, I think that's a good thing. All right. A couple other things. Again, we're going to talk about uh, modern culture uh, a lot. And uh, I happen to watch the Emmys. I hope uh, not, not many people watch the Emmys, but low audience uh, last night watching the Emmys. But I, I like award shows. I, I like to see the stars out there hanging out with each other and what they're wearing and all that kind of stuff and who wins, who loses and what the reaction is when somebody wins or loses. Uh, but it, it's a hard show to be entertained by. And this is why I say, why try to entertain? Just do the awards. You don't have to do these little skits. Now, case in point, Jimmy Kimmel bit with uh, Will Arnett. Now, I'm scratching my head going, now, these are people who comedy is kind of their business. Um, who on earth, especially Will Arnett or Jimmy Kimmel, would think that it's funny at all that you would dra drag Jimmy Kimmel out by his feet and he would lay there on the stage? Why is that funny? <laughs> Am I being a hard grader here? That's not funny. And he just laid there and he didn't do anything. And, of course, it turned into controversy uh, when uh, the woman for Abbott Elementary wins the, the Emmy and comes up and tries to give her speech. And she has to uh, stand over a, a prone Jimmy Kimmel, who's now now people are more focused on that than they are uh, uh, on the woman who won and, and what she's about to say. And Jimmy Kimmel just just stay there. Uh, now, after the fact, you look at it and you say, OK, that was very disrespectful and it was mildly racist, which is what he's going to have to face. But let's go back to the beginning on the idea of that. Why is that funny? Like Will Arnett goes, uh, all right, Jimmy, here's what we'll do. How about if you like uh, say that you were into the skinny margaritas and you're too inebriated to actually walk out here and I'll drag you out and you stay there. And Jimmy goes, that's hilarious. Is that serious? It's not funny. So don't force these skits. They're not funny. There was another skit in the Emmys with a guy. I don't even know who the guy is. I, I probably should know. I don't know what he what show he's in. Uh, but he uh, is a bartender. They go. Uh, Keenan Thompson goes over and he's he's all freaked out because uh, he's been assigned to be the bartender for the Emmys and uh, and he can't get the drinks fast enough. And I, I'm going. Why are you wasting my time with this? This is lame. It's not funny. Let's move on. And of course, then they got the Law and Order reboot, 
where they have to reenact a, a scene with uh, Marissa Harskate and uh, Christopher Maloney, where they're actually chasing people. And they kind of, and, I, and I go, can we just get to the awards? You ran 15 minutes over. The enemies did. So if you cut those skits out, you're right on time. Aren't we better off? Rather than a lame skit that's not funny, you do the awards. Boom, end of story. Good night, everybody. Let's go get a post-Emmy uh, drink. All right. Um, the quirky. I like to do things that are quirky. Um, this is not really quirky because it's serious. It, it means a lot to people. And um, this is a, an indictment of myself because it doesn't mean a lot to me. And I'm trying to figure out why. And I want I want people to tell me why it's so important. Listen, I don't uh, uh, I, I have uh, great solemn for uh, anybody who passes away. I think uh, if you pass away, she, the queen was 96 years old. So um, you could see where that would, you know, uh, you know, the end of your life at 96. A lot of people don't get that far. So she lived a, a long and full life. Uh, and, and I can see why. Uh, British people uh, are mourning because I think if you're a middle-aged Brit or older than that, you grow up with the tradition of the queen. And in America, we really don't understand what that is or, or why it's important. Uh, a lot of people do, uh, and they defer to it. I, I just have never gotten the, the importance of, uh, of the royal family in this day and age. Uh, and uh, what I look at with the royal family and royalty and kings and queens in general uh, is kind of like a... Uh, imperialistic view and great Britain was a great power and, the, and they owned everything and they, and they ran India and they were like, and islands and things like that. And uh, I'm just, I guess I'm just anti-monarchy because I grew up in kind of a modern society. So uh, I, I really don't get it, but I would love for somebody out there who understands it to explain it to me. And, and you can, you can email me again, Mike at MikeMiss.com. And I would love to learn. One thing I love to do is learn. And I would like to learn why uh, the monarchy is still so very important in Great Britain when they don't have any political power whatsoever. And I guess it's kind of like a, a, a counterbalance to political power. It, it's like, uh, you know, the, the 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 soft landing, so to speak. You always know that there's goodness and these benevolent uh, uh, people who are royalty who live in Buckingham Palace and uh, they're unthreatening as opposed to a government that makes all these harsh decisions and uh, that you can argue with. And, and this is kind of your 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 uh, day bed. You go over here to Buckingham Palace and think about about royalty. And I and I again, I hope I, I wasn't disrespectful there. I, I don't want to be disrespectful. I just don't understand uh, the monarchy and, and all that kind of thing. OK. Since we're sponsored by Bet Rivers, I love uh, in the middle of the week to look at lines. Uh, if you listen to me on my show, you know that uh, what I do is I I look at lines that speak to me. And a lot of people have asked me, what do you mean by the line talking to you? Well, uh, it, it's hard to explain, except if you follow sports. Here's the, th- the beauty about doing it this way. You really don't have to know the nuts and bolts of, of every team. You, you just look at lines that you think look a little cockeyed. Like if you were setting your own line and you know enough about sports where you go, ah, I see that game, that team should be favored by X amount of points. And when the line is actually published, the Vegas line is actually published, and it's different than that, it gets your attention. And that's what it does for me. It gets my attention. I look at a game and I go, okay, this game should be X. And I look at the line and say, ooh, that's a little low or that's a little high. When it looks too good, go the other way. 
That's what reading a line is for me. I look at it, it's like the line is talking to me. If it's too low, they're telling me that that team that they set the low nine, line for has a chance to win that game. If it's too high, if it's like a 10-point line, you go, well, that's 10 points for a reason. That team's going to romp. So, again, it's not as simple as that. But uh, if you can read the lines, and I also like to look at line moves. If a line moves considerably, when you look at it, it opens at a certain amount, and then it, go, it escalates way up. To me, that's a sign of like either something bad has happened, like the Dallas Cowboy line is, is affected that way. Or there are a lot of sharp, what's called sharp money, all the, the sharp batters, the, the ones that do it for a living, have done enough study and enough extrapolation of the data to come up with this side is the side we're going to, and they play it heavy. And when they play it heavy, it changes the line. And when it changes the line, you go, hmm, the sharp people must know a little something. So I always pay attention to that factor, too. So, again, it's early in the week. College football, I love to look at the lines. I think it's easier to read a college football line than it is a pro line. But I'm looking at six particular games, three college and three pro. And, again, you get the Bet Rivers app. It's a fantastic app uh, to bet these games. And, and you can bet them live. There's all kinds of prop bets and things like that. You can have really a lot of fun. All right, so let me start with college. Now, Nebraska last week uh, got uh, got beaten by uh, a, 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 not, a non-Division 1A uh, team, a non-FCS team. And uh, that spelled the, the death of uh, Scott Frost, who has struggled since he's tried to go back to Nebraska to build that program. They've gotten worse, in fact. So, interestingly enough, they fired him, and they have to give him a, a healthy buyout of double-digit millions, when if they waited for three more weeks, that buyout would have been cut down to single-digit millions. But they were so exasperated with the state of the program, they decided to bite the bullet and pay more to get rid of Scott Frost. So now Nebraska is in a state of total flux. Sometimes it helps when you make a coaching change and an assistant takes over, and sometimes they're, they're just so dismantled like they are right now with this Scott Frost thing. They're in disarray. So the line has moved up. It started out, this is Oklahoma against Nebraska. Oklahoma started out as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Oklahoma's a better football team, but three-and-a-half is not a lot. That line has now shot up to 11. Now, when I look at that, I go, okay, that's telling me that there's no way Nebraska can rally here. And so I'll, I'll lay the 11 and take Oklahoma. I could be wrong. It could work out the other way where these kids there, boy, they're so glad to get rid of Scott Frost. They're going to go out and bust through a granite wall to play for the, for the assistant coach, and, and they may make it a great game. But I'm going to rely on, on that line moving up that high, so I will take Nebraska. Um, Rutgers-Temple. Temple won a game last week against Lafayette. Now, <laughs> Lafayette... It's not exactly a football power, not basketball power either. Uh, so uh, I know people who went to Temple were really excited that they actually won a football game. They played Lafayette. I mean, my God, can, can you really take anything from that? Therefore, I am not going to take anything from that. Uh, I'm going to load up on Rutgers, a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Rutgers, not quite Big Ten power yet. But they're getting there under Greg Schiano. Uh, I think that they're going to roll in this game. I, I see Rutgers like winning this game like fifty to ten. So I'll lay that seventeen and a half. Poor Temple. Uh, I'm taking the Scarlet Knights. And now 
Yeah, I'm a Penn State guy. There'll be another podcast where I express my disappointment with the state of the program uh, and the fact that their starting quarterback has been there for seven years and they can't depart with him, even though they recruited the number one quarterback in the nation. Uh, Nothing personal against uh, Sean Clifford. I just don't think that he's a big-time quarterback enough to put the Penn State Nittany Lions in in a Final Four, which they're not even close to getting to. At this point, but that's enough. That's enough. Penn State fans, I promise you that'll be a future podcast. But I look at him this week. What happened last year with Auburn? Auburn came to State College, Happy Valley, and Penn State wins the game. A great victory for Penn State. So now, Auburn revenge at Auburn. And I'm thinking, oh my God, Auburn. When I first saw the Lions to Auburn's to play in revenge situation, and I look at the line, Penn State right now is a three-point favorite. The game started at Penn State minus one. People are betting Penn State. They pushed it up to minus three. So I'm going to ride the Nittany Lions. Beating Auburn two straight years? I like it. All right. Let's go to the NFL for three quick games. Um, the Lions. I think they stick. All right. I, I watched Hard Knocks. I think it was a lot of bluster. Uh, I think that coaches have his mind. I don't think tough guy coaches win anymore. But that's, you know, that's their problem. But they actually have a little pride. They fought back in that game, which showed me a little something. So I think they gained some confidence fighting back. I actually think they think that they're a legitimate NFL team right now. So um, they started out against the Washington Commanders. As an underdog, they were getting two and a half points. The line has now flipped. The Lions are now favored in the game at minus one and a half. Again, that's getting my attention. That's a lot of people liking the Lions, pushing that up. That's probably that smart money coming in. I pay attention to that. I'm going to look at the Lions this weekend. Again, this is in the middle of the week. I'm giving you my middle of the week looks at this. Second game, Raiders at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, the Reds, or I believe that game, uh, the game is in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. So uh, that started out. Raiders were uh, minus three and a half as a favorite. That's jacked up to five and a half now. That went up two points. Another line move that I respect. So I'm going to take the Raiders in that game. And then uh, the easiest game of the week to me, the Packers to bounce back. They looked terrible last week. They usually snap back. They're playing the Bears. Brett Favre, I mean, uh, uh, Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers kills the Bears. He's undefeated against them. He's got you know some kind of magic over him, and I think that's going to continue. They're a 10-point uh, favorite against the Bears, who won last week, but I believe the Packers will smoke them this weekend. So there you go. There are your early week bets. Uh, Bet Rivers app, get it. It's great. Oklahoma giving 11 in Nebraska. Rutgers giving 17 and a half to Temple. Penn State giving three at Auburn. I'll take the Lions uh, minus a point and a half. I'll take the Raiders minus five and a half. And I'll take the Packers minus 10. All right. I think that's about all we're going to do today. It's been great being with you. I love being back, um, engaging with the people. Uh, I hope you like the first edition of the Mike Missinelli podcast. We're going to do this a couple times a week, uh, uh, about an hour a day when we do it. And again, it's, it's going to be great. And eventually we're going to get to the video part of this. When we get all the best bells and whistles figured out, this will be uh, audio and video podcast. You can call up anytime. I'm excited to do it. Bet Rivers is excited. So everybody have a, a great rest of the night, rest of the week, and we'll catch you next time. I'm Mike Missinelli. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to the Mike Missanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.